You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Welcome back to another Land of Legacy podcast. Guys, this is your host, Matt Dye, and I am pumped for an amazing episode coming to you guys this week here on the Land of Legacy podcast. We've got a special guest. His name is Brady Bradley. Brady, um, years ago, met, and uh, it's funny reminiscing with him here on the podcast about how we met and, and this that transition of getting to, you know, acquaintances to friendship to to working relationships now so uh but but in a nutshell brady's got an amazing story about um a recent hunt that he had in kansas over a bedding thicket uh he has extensive experience running a chainsaw implementing the bedding thickets um, for us for land and legacy on on clients properties across different states and um he he has got some great insight um uh, from the hunt itself and and harvesting a mature deer as well as how to implement these so um i don't want to waste a bunch of time i just want to get right into the meat and potatoes of the podcast so before we jump in though be sure to go to on x download the app if you're not a user if you're not a user, you're missing out if you care about your property, if you care about managing it, and learning about your specific property, making those long-term plans. It's a wonderful app. If you're not already a, a, a user on that app, feel free to use a 20% off discount. Type in land and, that's the and symbol, land and legacy. 20 to get that discount code. We use it literally every day. I'm getting ready to fly tomorrow to South Carolina to work and um, getting everything uploaded, ready for that property, reviewing it on Onyx. It's a wonderful and handy tool. I'll be using it in the field uh, and and then post work too and and the actual development of the management plan. So um, guys, head over to Onyx. Download the app, become a user, you'll love it, and you will not regret it. Without further ado, let's hear from Mr. Brady. Alrighty, I should have Brady on the line. Brady, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Matt. What's going on, man? Oh, not much. Just just enjoying the beautiful Sunday. Man, it's a it's been a beautiful day at the house and, and pre show you said you guys had some rest with the family and man, I can't can't complain about all that. But you yeah, know what else we we can celebrate? We can celebrate the fact that that you killed a good deer over a bedding thicket, and that's what we're about to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yes, man, yeah, it was a, it was an awesome hunt. I, I I can't wait to get into it. But but first, I think I think we need to give people a background though on who Brady is, who Brady Bradley is, um, because. A lot of people um, may not know you're you're not you're not a client, but you're a guy who has implemented work for our clients across the country in multiple states. Brady, I don't even know when the first time we met was. Um, do you recall? It's I, I, we we met on several different occasions, and then I don't I don't remember what the first time was. Yeah, I'm trying to think. You know, we've we've had so many mutual friends. Yeah. Over the past few years, but I want to I want to say the very first time we met may have been down at Arkansas at the Big Buck Classic, maybe back in 
2018, maybe yeah. 18. Yeah, I think you're right. When you guys just started, yep. just started expanding mm-hmm. and getting out there. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. And then from there, it's like, I mean, we just keep bumping into this guy. Yeah, yes. And yeah. Um, yeah, so basically, you know, met there, and then obviously you're a deer hunter, but you you also have a forestry background. At that time, you were working uh, and living down in Arkansas and working for the state, um, basically working on public lands and and uh, doing a lot more management of game. Um, basically public hunting land um yeah all across yeah. the south so um but then you got you and your wife and, and kids made a um a shift and decided you wanted to to be further north in the great state of missouri yeah yeah and then, and you know i mean it was a, it was a tough decision right real tough decision for us well i say tough at the same time it wasn't you know we, <laughs> you knew what you always, wanted to do yes we'd always dreamed of it never imagine that it the opportunity would come so so soon in our lives you know mm-hmm. we had decision we thought we may make 20 30 years later sure but when the opportunity came up we jumped on it you know the good lord said this is what this is what needs to happen everything yep. lined out and we hadn't back i mean obviously i do miss my job <sighs> i tell i tell i tell cage and my wife all the time man i would have given anything to have brought that job with me sure but Sure. You know, sometimes God has other plans and that's it. We can't complain. Nope. Good. Good. Well, I know, I know it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a good move for you guys. And, um, and it's honestly allowed us to be able to utilize, um, you with your talents and your skills, uh, elsewhere on, on clients' property. So obviously as, as, as we're consulting and, and working and laying out plans, there's, there's, parts of the plan and, and implementing that that we can assist with and specifically you've been on several farms and gone in and cut the bedding thickets that we recommended in the consultation for a client you know maybe it's a couple months later a year later um and and working to implement some of this this plan that um that we've prescribed and so you have a lot of experience in cutting these things in i don't even know how many acres gosh that you that you've cut in <laughs> specifically but um thousands and thousands of trees i know just on um yes. work for for land and legacy but but in addition to that and, and i guess this kind of goes back to explain the whole your name just kept popping up because adam went to work with um one of your friends aaron who yep. In, in Kansas and work that farm. And then lo and behold, Aaron's like, well, I got this guy that, that helps me at the, the, the farm. Whatnot. His name's uh, Brady Bradley. I'm like, what the heck? There's this <laughs> guy again. Brady, what's yep. up? And yep. uh, so basically, long story, y'all were connected there and you've been helping implement um, the plan there on that property too. But the other cool aspect is that you're able to film and hunt with Aaron. Oh yeah. 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 I've been, he's, he's been an awesome friend and I'm extremely blessed to be able to, to share that property with him, you know, share those experiences mm-hmm. with him. And I'm, like I said, just blessed that he allows me to even have the opportunity to step foot on it. Really? Sure. You know, I mean, that's a, it's a great friendship and I'm, I'm extremely grateful for it. Totally, totally. Well, you guys are doing some awesome stuff, and if you want to see some of those hunts that Aaron has had on this property and others, um, go to the YouTube page because there are some hunts that dropped in October that showcase uh, Aaron's success from last year on this property that um, now you had success this year. So why don't you kind of pick us up from there uh, about – you know, this, this hunt kind of where it started, um, and, and the progression of implementing this, this one specific bedding thicket that, that you hunted over several, um, sits and all the encounters and harvest that you had. Yeah. So it all started, you know, it all goes back. He, he implemented this specific bedding thicket probably two winters ago, I'd say mm-hmm. he started, it, you know, kind of out there by himself and probably he, did pretty good i mean quarter to half an acre in size and then we expanded on it this previous winter so it's now it's a little over two years old going into year three yeah and 
just exploded. We expanded it last year, um, took out a lot more trees, TSI'd a lot more trees in the area. And this year we were really able to see, I mean, just, just the draw for the deer in that area. So, so uh, how, how big is it now? And then what species of trees specifically was like the main component of what it was you guys were cutting? Yeah, I'd, I'd say now it's probably probably close to three quarters of an acre. Then mm-hmm. uh, most of the trees we were taking out were elm, hackberry, yeah. few ash mixed in, but but predominantly elm and hackberry were the main species. So so probably <clears throat> lower lying creek bottom, bottom land kind of timber. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, it lays right along. Well, kind of like a almost a, a peninsula right in a big creek bend is Got where it. kind of where we tucked it tucked it back into that bend a little bit. Mm-hmm. So so basically a natural corridor that deer are gonna be you know whether they're residents or non-resident they're coming through they're gonna be hitting that creek corridor and they're going to naturally uh, in, encounter it. Um, it's probably where deer were already choosing to bed, um, and, and that sign was there in relation to access and food um already existing or what would be planned on the property that's that's generally those those factors that we're kind of weighing in on when we're yeah. placing those bedding uh areas so i'm sure adam adam took all that into consideration it sounds like it was oh, uh, yeah. a, a good location because you how, how do you access this um this particular bedding thicket well honestly i mean it's 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 very simple very simple access. I mean, it's when I was hunting, I could throw a rock and hit the road, but the way that the way it lays, it lays behind a hill uh-huh. and off in the bottom in this creek bottom. So, so you can't you can't see any of it from the road. Perfect. So, so it's completely secluded. Mm-hmm. Um, they get in there and they feel secluded. They can't, you know, somebody drives by, they can't see them. Sure. Uh, obviously, they can hear them, but having that seclusion in there. Um, I mean, it just, it makes it simple access, easy access. You don't have to walk through the middle of your property, staying on the outskirts. And I mean, you can slip in, slip in any time. Right, right. Perfect. Perfect. And that's, that's key to be able to, you know, get into some areas super clean. You're not interfering with other movement. And, and um, that's the thing about the rut is, as you know, and I think that you experience too, is, you know, you can be in the heart of activity or you can be yeah. in the dead wrong stand yeah. location. You could hunt a, a destination food source and it'd be crickets and boring during the rut. But once you get into these right locations where the right cover is, then it's game on and on yeah. fire. Um, yeah. so, so kind of describe visually um, from a cover standpoint – what is after two years? Um, so, so two growing seasons and then a little bit more expanding. So, you know, a, a mixture of cutting and everything. Um, how, how does the area look? What does the cover component like? Well, I mean, compared to the rest of the timber, you know, he's, he's done an extensive TSI work on the property. So it's starting to take off. But in this mm-hmm. area, there was so much more sunlight hitting the ground. So it just exploded with herbaceous growth on the forest floor. Yep. And, it you know it's just it's thick i mean that's 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 the best way to put it i guess it's just you look you can't hardly through it Mm -hmm. great cover great browse for the deer and you know they like i said earlier they can get in there and feel secure but it's just compared to the rest of the the timber around it's there's no comparison right right i mean there's so many that's the thing about bottomland is is sometimes it's it's kind of a feast or famine if you if you open yeah. up the sunlight uh, open up the canopy and allow the sunlight in it's full of moisture and gets sun yeah. it's going to grow and it's going to explode and fill um exactly. sounds like that's exactly what happened but but then it's almost like a you know a light in the darkness from a, from a cover aspect standpoint, it's like, well, yeah. where else would you bet? I mean, everything else yeah. is, you know, closed canopy or, or, or relatively closed canopy to this giant opening. I'm going there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so exactly. is it, you know, five or six foot tall, four foot tall? What, what, how, how would you say that response has looked? Height-wise? I'd say probably now, 
it, it looked a lot taller when when I was pulling the buck out of it. <laughs> but I'd say I'd say now it's probably during the grown season you're probably looking at four or five foot tall, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. right throughout. You know, just just an explosion of herbaceous growth in there. Perfect. Uh, you know, just more food than they know what to do with. Yeah, yeah. Food and cover and in a secure yeah. area, they're gonna be there during daylight. So. Yeah. Uh, why don't you why don't you walk us through the hunt? Um, and and I think you had mentioned something to me pre-show too that you know although you guys had cut some of these areas in, you guys hadn't spent last year really hunting them. So this kind yeah. of was a new experience for hunting these um, these denser these thick areas, the bedding thickets that you guys had had cut in. So kind of talk about that as well in your experience. Yes, I, I've been hunting over there for I guess this was probably my third year uh-huh. past two years. I've had some close encounters, but you know, didn't, didn't have any bucks to show for awesome, had some awesome hunts. Sure. But I guess for me, you know, what we had done was we focused on pinch points in or around food plot areas. At, at least that's where I, I focused a lot of my attention. Right. Uh, just because I had such awesome hunts, you know, grow, growing up in the Ozarks of Arkansas, you go out and you see five deer sit. I mean, right? You had a we're talking about. Yep. But when we started hunting up here. You know, you may see twenty deer out in the middle of a food plot, and you may see ten different bucks. And I mean, that's awesome. You know, <laughs> the, the right buck could walk out at any time. Right. So I was kind of hooked on that aspect of it. Sure. And this year, Aaron and I kind of talked a little bit. We we'd hunted for four or five days and had some really good sits. Saw some shooters. But it just just wasn't we weren't having the luck over the food plots like like we wanted to. We said, why don't we why don't we get in here, get over these on the downwind side of these bedding thickets and see what happens. And in what time frame um was the did that shift happen for you guys? What what dates were you looking at there? I think I shot him on I think I shot him on about the 14th, okay. 13th or 14th. Yep. So we had been hunting the previous week prior to that. So I don't know, gotcha. anywhere from the 9th through the 14th, 15th time frame. You know, uh, that yep. that lockdown phase is what a lot of people uh-huh. would say. And, you know, sitting around those bedding thickets, it was what lockdown, you know, because <laughs> yeah. that, that's where they were, you know. They, if uh, there was, if they were locked down, they were locked down in them. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so you're, so you're right there with them. You're just, yeah. you're just a doe to bring him by. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Totally. But so we, we decided, you know, we said, why don't we, why don't we get in here and sit these bedding thickets? And this, this day, uh, I guess I hunted this bedding thicket twice before I finally shot my buck on the second set. Yep. Uh, but the first set. It was kind of a an experiment. I went in there. I had my climber. I, I walked in. I, I knew where I wanted to be because where we had placed it and where we said, you know, easy access, perfect pinch point, where we assumed that these deer would most likely be using to access and to leave this bed and thicket. Yep. I got quiet one day and and was able to get up in the tree without anything spooked. Well, I wasn't sitting there 10 minutes and I look up and there's a four and a half year old buck that was on our no shoot list, Uh walking, walking through the bed and thicket, walking around the edge of it, you know, just scent checking that bed and thicket. Round the corner. Yeah. Yep. I gave a few grunts and bam, here he comes. Next thing I know, he's standing 15 yards below me trying to figure out where that, you know, where that grunt came from. Man. Well, I'm sitting there videoing him. You know, just just in awe of this, you know, awesome buck. Yep. I hear some movement behind me, and I look, and there's some does, you know, meandering around the northern end of this bed and thicket, just kind of browsing around. Right. Uh, and then I hear a a pretty deep grunt, and I instantly, you know, Oof. instantly heart started beating. What you know, what was that? Certainly. Uh, and finally, he made it. The you know, a good five year old eight point came walking through, pushing those does. And he was one that I was going to try to shoot, but I never had an opportunity at him. He he didn't he didn't give me that shot that I wanted. Yep, be a great sit. The four year old and him postured on each other, 
I got to see the five-year-old snort wheeze at him. And then that four-year-old said, well, I think I'm out after that. <laughs> cool. He, he was smart and he said, all right, I'm gone. And all yeah. that was at four yards, you know, I'm sitting, my goodness, sitting, I'm sitting 30 yards off the edge of this bedding thicket. And all of that took place right in the middle of it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so after, after that sit, I, I said to myself, I said, Whoa, there's, there's something here, you know, obviously uh-huh. I knew that they were, I knew that they were drawn to it, but it was a different style of hunting that, that I'd never experienced before. I'd never done it. Yeah. You get to see different um, behavior too. Even, even yeah. different doe behavior of, of, uh, avoiding some bucks. It's not like the field where they just kind of chase each other. Like sometimes yeah. they'll get in there and they'll just like hunker down and hide exactly. and, uh, yeah, that, that's cool, man. It's always it's always fun to be able to see deer do different things than what you yeah. seen previously. Yeah, for sure. You know, they just seem more comfortable in there because they they seem they seem safe. Totally. You know, totally. They're, the way they move around and and interact with they're just like you said, it's completely different. Yep. Uh, it's it's a sight for sure. Mm-hmm. But so I guess you know I went home that night not upset at all because i just had the hunt of my year you know right. i thought that was i thought that was awesome you know if i didn't shoot a buck so be it yep but i can i've got to get in there i've got to get in there um because there's no telling you know what could move through in that area and you know that five-year-old eight i knew he was in there with that doe and you know just praying that he'd still be in there by the time i could get back so i think i went it was you know this this first part of november well even now the weather's been crazy i think yeah, it got up yeah. in the 70s or 80s right the next day right after that hunt or a few days later and then we had a big front push through later on that week and i said i've got to i've got to get back in that spot yep so i i go back in climb up same exact tree and same thing happens again i'm not in 10 15 minutes i look up and there's a buck cruising the same exact spot, you know, right on the edge of that bed ticket looking for does. Predictable. Yep. And so I'm watching him, trying to video him. He's just he's just making his way through that thicket at this time, you know, just kind of browsing. Uh-huh. You know, just browsing in there. And I look up to my north, you know, to my right, and I I just see a tree shaking. And I think, oh goodness, you know, here here we go. And um I see a I see a little yearling kind of trot off in the distance. This is probably eighty yards from me on the northern end of that thicket. And next thing I see are antlers, and I'm thinking, "Oh my goodness, what deer is this?" Yeah, you know. Um, and I, I get to looking through the binoculars. I'm trying to video him, and he looks familiar. Well, it it clicks into my head. Aaron sent me a picture that morning, and. He's got he's got amazing neighbors. I mean, they they've got a cooperative, probably a little over a thousand acres or right at a thousand acres that they, you know, they're very open with each other on the bucks that they have. Um, they try to shoot anything five or older. Um, That's great. And this is a buck that had been on the hit list, but we had not seen on any of the trail cameras all year long. Um, on your guys's place you had pictures sent but not on you guys didn't have them on your own on this property no, specifically not on our own property <laughs> got it until that morning the the day that i shot him aaron sent me a picture of him and he was he was nowhere near this this bedding thicket oh, wow. um we're near probably over three quarters of a mile away wow and so he was the last deer i expected to see you know totally. aaron sent picture and i said oh that's you know that's a that's awesome i'm glad to see he's still alive you know maybe maybe somebody will get a shot at him mm-hmm. and next thing you know, he's the third deer that i see Oof. yeah <laughs> three quarters of a mile away that afternoon uh. you know it happened just like just like you dream of i'm sitting there watching him he's making rubs making scrapes and while i hear something off off out in the bedding thicket and there's a little there's a little two, three-year-old buck out there chasing a mature doe out there in the bedding thicket. Nice. And as soon as he, as soon as he let out that grunt, that first grunt, that the buck that I eventually harvested, he said, no, you know, uh-huh. he, he heard that and he, he picked his head up and he instantly took off right, right towards us. Right. And you know, where he was coming in, where we put the bedding thicket, where our stand location was, 
it was set up for that moment. I mean, there was a perfect pinch between the creek and that bedding thicket where he would have to walk. Yes, uh, yes. He came in 20, 23 yards and gave me a perfect shot broadside, and the rest is history. He he ran off in the bedding thicket, laid down, and never left. Mm, mm. I love it. I mean, that's that, and that's a that's a deer who, sure, at at some point maybe he 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 was uh, he's visited this portion of yeah. the property before, knew the thicket was there, but maybe not. And and yeah. it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, that's why location of these bedding thickets on corridors on heavily traveled areas where you can accentuate pinch points and accentuate the fact that hey, deer are naturally traveling here. They may not be a resident, but they know to travel here because of this creek corridor system uh, that exactly. runs through the property. And and now you find yourself looking at a, a deer that you don't really know that much about, but here he is presenting an opportunity. And I think you laid it out and, and, and said some really important things there in, in your descriptions. Like we implemented that bedding thicket and placed that stand there for that moment and and that's what i mean yeah that's a hundred percent right i mean you 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 draw up these hunts and these scenarios in your head based on you know the timing of the year based on what what deer behavior you can expect to see in a certain location due to the habitat that's present you're not going to see a deer, let's say, um, eating turnips in the middle of a bedding thicket because that's not what's there. So, so yeah. you know, what is there determines the behavior and the opportunities that you're going to have. And specifically, that stand was placed there because of the access, because of the to travel corridors, and then it being an elm-rich environment, it had plenty of woody browse coming back, I'm sure, brambles, yeah. probably cool season rise, and, and, and yeah. uh, uh, river oats, um, uh, all sorts of things growing in there for for improved bedding cover. And here you are sitting here like, this is this is full circle, right here, right now, full uh, draw. <laughs> if, if it could have been laid out any other way, I wouldn't have believed it. I mean, it was yeah. just... It was just, just like you said, completely full circle, and and it's one of those aha moments. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know this. I see it now. Yeah. You know, not that you know. I just, I'd never, I'd always implemented it, but never, never took the chance, right, to actually go sit on it. And then when I did, I think, man, where did I go wrong the past, you know, two, three years? Why did, <laughs> why wasn't I not, why was I not doing this before? Yeah. Oh, well, and and it's like okay, um, next year, got it. Yeah. I, I know where yeah. I'll be at in November. I mean, because that's the beauty of this thing is this isn't a, a one-time occurrence. I mean, you hunted this no. thing twice and you saw three deer over four and a half years old. I mean, that's wonderful. Yeah. And and yeah. Um, th- th- that's, uh, again, the, the beauty of it is that these deer that, that we love to chase do the exact same thing every single year. They always yeah. push those into dense cover, and if you yep. hunt that, or and well, first off, if you create it and then you hunt it, you know where that activity is going to take place at. And so, exactly. man, that it's—I don't think that people, you know, listening um, necessarily doubt the power of these, but it's one of those things that until you can experience yep. a, a hunt just like you have, like like you did this year you don't have that light bulb moment go off because it hasn't like, it almost takes a little bit of experiencing of cutting experiencing yeah. of, you know, planning experiencing of watching the deer behavior and then actually arrowing a target deer. Um, it's like that. Oh gosh, I get it. I get it. I, you know, yeah. it's kind of like no turning back now, but you knew initially though, too, that you, this could all happen and take place. But then when it does, it's like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Real. You're you're exactly right. I I think maybe it was the next day or, or it may have been that evening. I think I told Aaron, you know, once we were talking about the hunt and I was kind of telling him about, I said, I said, I'm ready. I'm ready to get the chainsaw back out. Uh I'm ready. I'm ready to get back to work. I said, this is, that was amazing. You know what happened? You know, it's one of those, you, you you want it to happen like this, but you don't expect it to. Right. You know, the others are like, oh, 
goodness gracious, you know. That's hunting um, in a nutshell, man. We can dream up the perfect yeah. scenarios, but do they hardly ever happen? No. no but yeah. when you have the right stuff, it does happen. And that's the cool yeah. part. And and that's the fun part for, for Adam and I and Kyle and Frank and, and you. When we're out on these properties, this is the way our brains work. And we're like, no, yeah. I, I see it for what it's going to be in five years. And I know what's going to happen throughout that course of time and, and the experience that you as a landowner are going to be able to have here. That's why I'm jacked up about this site yeah. or this location. Cause it's like, it's about to get good. It's about yes. to get really good. And there's a couple of places in Iowa that, um, you and I've worked and, and been on and, um, you've cut some of those areas in and we're both just standing there like, this is the tree. Like, Yep. This is right the tree where a, a big deer, I don't know if it's going to be this year, um, but, but in the years to come, a big deer will be killed right here. And you, it just laid out before you and in front of you, and it's just a magical thing. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Man, so, just, so that's a that's an awesome, awesome story of it, it all coming together. And again, just what you were able to experience and see in, in a matter of two hunts. But I think yeah. it would be um bad of us to to just highlight the fact that hey guys this is an awesome hunt this is um you know what we dream about what we talk about but what we want to do is give some like action items some some uh, if this does encourage you to go forth and and replicate a bedding thicket young forest regeneration in an area how do you do that because again you've got plenty of experience doing it now um yeah. and so so I want to take you know the rest of the time here, another 10, 15 minutes, and and say from the point of, okay, for all those listening, let's say we've all got this one area in mind that we know is where where we want deer to be bedding. This is where we would place a bedding thicket, hands down. So we we have a location identified. Brady, what what would be your next steps once you have that location? Kind of walk us through how you would then begin to actually implement. Um, you know, we could talk about felling, we could talk about girdling, we could talk about hinging, the combination of all of that. We can talk about, yeah. you know, laying it out, flagging it out, all that. But but once you've got that area identified on a map, and and now you've, you're standing there, you've got a chainsaw in your right hand, you got fuel and uh, bar oil and water, and maybe an extra chain in your other hand, you're there. What do yeah. you, what do you do next? Well, for, for me, it, I, I like having a visual. So, yeah, you know, for, for me, I use on X map that area, just like you said, got it mapped. And I usually go around it, flag it, you know, right. that, that way, I know, that way I know my area. Right. Um, and well, and that helps know, too, if, especially if you're, if you have multiple people cutting, or, yeah. or if you're not going to get it all done, or maybe you'll work for a Saturday and then the next Saturday or something, your buddy comes exactly. out, he knows the boundary. He oh, knows exactly. where you've been, how yeah. far you need to go, all that jazz. Clearly yeah. mark it. Yes, clearly, clearly. And, you know, um, you know, a lot of the ones that we did in Iowa were on, were on slopes, you know, yes. not a significant slope, but a small slope. Yep. So I typically start at the bottom of that slope. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's a lot easier to walk through and I take down everything that's in the mid story, everything that I can take out and push it over. Yes. Um, so, so, so a four, four inch DBH and less something yes. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Um, that way, that way, whenever you start f- felling the bigger trees, they're not getting caught up on everything. You know, we talked about, it, it's almost like a puzzle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, is trying to figure out well if I take that tree, I can knock three more over on top of it or next to it. it it's not they're not going to get hung up. Right, right. See? It's so like it, I mean, it's like a domino effect. It's like okay, once yeah. I once I start there, and 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 some of this is you you've got a cut and then you've got to step back, and then you have to go around to the back side of the cut, cut two other trees there first and then come back around to where you originally started and and then yeah. you can cut four more and now you've got a big old opening started and create but you can't just start on one side and say i'm only working you know from here to that point it's you, yeah you gotta really i don't know 
take the pieces of the puzzle out in a in a strategic way to one safely do it, but then two to sure. to not get you know half the trees hung up on one another. Um, you yeah. got to be able to kind of directionally fell some trees, um, but most times though too, if it is a little bit of a slope, they've got enough lean to them. They've got enough yep. you know. Um, movement that you're like okay well this tree it's going there you know if you can kind of get it within you know a 30 degree spot of okay it's going to fall there at that point who cares yeah exactly yeah exactly and that was that was one thing you know most of these areas you know I, i know a lot of people especially me i think about i think about shed hunting a lot just because that's what my wife and i are avid shed hunters yeah uh you want to go back to these areas during the winter time because odds are you're going to be finding some sheds and thickets. So or the day you want, after you cut, didn't you? Do, or the day after, didn't you do that? that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that did happen to me up in Iowa. I, I came back to that cut just to just to look at it the next day, and I found a shed laying right there in the middle of it that I know was not there the day before because I would have found it. I mean, it was right next to a tree that I'd cut. It had blood on the base, and you could see where he had he had been eaten on. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember the tree an elm yeah, or something yeah. on the buds of that tree. And it just fell right there. Yeah. But, you know, going back to that safety aspect of it, getting those trees on the ground because come winter, you don't want to be tra- tromping around in there and that's you right. know, having a bunch, having a bunch of trees hanging above your head. That's exactly right. Yep. So, I mean, for me, it seemed like I spent the majority of my time looking up uh-huh. trying to figure what tree to take out how am i going to knock it down safely yep yeah um and 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 let's talk a little bit about um let's say a a ratio um of felling to hinging and i I know i open up a a can of worms and guys there's probably 10 podcasts that we've done about you know cutting felling hinging you know the value of all of them but let's review it and recap it from an from a implementation standpoint. And and every one is different. Every cut is different because you might have, yeah. you know, a a, a a 20 year old forest and everything's small and you can get really creative with the trees that you have. But let's say yes. you go into another area and you've got um, some some larger trees that uh, are are of very little value that a logger's not going to come in and do this. Yeah. So you got to be more diligent about what you're doing with those large trees, you you don't have that flexibility um, like you do with smaller trees. So I know it's, it's a, every situation, every cut is different, but we don't want everything laying dead flat on the ground because yeah. at the end of the day, you, you want differences and diversity of structure yeah, within the unit. Um, yeah. Some of it, you want some horizontal, some of it, you want vertical, so, so kind of walk us through, you know, let's say, um, what percentage of, of hinging, what kind of trees are you focusing on when you do decide to hinge, um, and height of that hinge. Talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, most of, I mean, like you, you hit it, you hit it exactly, you know, they're all different. There's some cuts I'll go through and I think, man, I didn't, I didn't hinge anything in there, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, yeah. or vice, vice versa, but. I like to, you know, those smaller diameter trees below four inches. Um, if I'm, if I'm hinging them low, low to the ground, knee height, maybe. Um, and you know, obviously not a hundred percent of them. Right. Maybe, maybe what? 30% maybe. Yeah. And, and sometimes when you go, when you go farther North, um, yeah. you know, factoring it, like I'm talking North, like Minnesota, Wisconsin, Yes. Upper PA, Pennsylvania, you you kind of got to factor in some snow depth. So maybe you bring that hinge yeah. cut up, hinge cut up, up to yeah. hip high, um, yep. and, and your growth rates of of woody browse is slower because one deer are probably gonna hammer them. The winters are longer, yeah. but then your growing seasons are shorter. So you can factor exactly. all that stuff in. But but I, I'm gonna 100% agree. You know, 30 percent plus or minus um in yep. most cuts you know we're, we're talking about hinging and i i i just don't think there's any need for hinging anything bigger than you know 
six inches dbh yeah. eight inch tops depending on the species there's some species i wouldn't dare do it but yeah. um depending on that species and and you know at the end of the day then you've got a lot of bigger bigger trees flat on the ground but then you got this exactly. mixture of the the smaller hinges that you can really be controlled with um oh yeah you, you know tell them exactly where to go for sure, yeah, they're 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 a lot easier to handle than than a twelve inch tree, you know. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. Four six, four six diameters, you know, they're they're a whole lot easier to handle, a lot safer, and like you said, you get that added diversity throughout that throughout that cut. Mm-hmm. Way the bigger, you have the smaller ones. Yeah, I I completely agree, hundred percent. And and I think that you know, two years down the road as well, now you've got that same kind of diversity that you started with, or I guess when you finish the cut, you still have that represented just in another stage. Um, yeah. And that's, that's super valuable too. Cause now you're getting a little bit more, um, some areas are a little bit more shaded than others as, as some of these stump sprouts are getting above mm-hmm. the, um, the reach of deer and starting to shade out some areas, which that's, you know, we're not talking about shade as in bad here. We're talking about, um, as in, as in good and regulating yeah. some some yeah. uh, um, more useful time during maybe earlier season than what you would consider. But again, at the when, when after leaf drop, it's wide open. It's getting full sun, so it's so it's perfect yeah. kind of combination. Yes, yes. Um, what what has been your favorite trees to get in and cut from a um, regen standpoint? You know, going back and monitoring some of these areas after you've cut them what trees are like, man, deer just hammer these, these species. Like they're just all over them. Yeah. I think, well, I think an elm, you know, Mm -hmm. elm is one that I just, it seems like when you knock it down, they come running. (laughs) Right. Right. Like (laughs) that's elm sawdust. I smell. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, hackberry. I've, Mm -hmm. I've noticed a lot of, a lot of brows on hackberry. Yeah. Uh, and, and oak obviously mm-hmm. um but i mean one that one that mostly comes to mind is i mean they just love elm it's i mean some, even even before i started implementing these mm-hmm. bedding things where looking walking through timber harvest at my previous job every time you came across an elk or an elm sprout yeah it just like it somebody had taken a weed eater right to the top of it and just knocked the top of it off that's right yep just at Elm and uh, red maple, black gum. Some yeah, red love red maple. Yeah, flowering dogwood. There, those are some some top ones yes. that they're just oh, they'll yep. they'll absolutely hammer. But um, any other any other pointers that you want to give someone? Oh, well, before I turn it back over to you, because I know you probably got one, I'm gonna suggest one that I see people do a lot. And, and maybe it's some that, that don't have a lot of experience in felling trees, but something to consider, I think when, when maybe inexperienced people running a chainsaw, they feel as if the faster they move through a tree, the faster that they can get away from that tree that's then falling. Um, and, and I want to suggest that maybe that's not the best approach because I see people run a chainsaw and just you know, bury it into that tree and just try and move yeah. through that tree and just rip it. Um, yeah. I like to take the the other approach because one, if I've gone up to a tree, I, I determine, okay, it's going that way or I need to make it go that way. So I'll yeah. cut a wedge or I'll cut a face cut in it. Um, yeah. And, or, or if it's, if I don't need to, then I'll just go ahead and cut from the backside, the back strap and just, you know, move right through it. But I don't move through it at a pace that I cut through the tree so fast that the tree hasn't really begun to fall yet. And, and so yeah. I will cut, maybe maybe I face cut a tree um, and I'll come on the backside, cut it, and I'll get half to three quarters of the way through and I'll start almost letting that chainsaw kind of turn back to an idle, just lay off mm-hmm. the gas and let that tree start to move and already basically commit to the direction that it's going. Yeah. And then yeah. I'll finish the cut and walk like, you know, it, let's say I got a I got an inch left of the the middle part of that tree in my cut. I'll 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 finish that off quick after it's already going and kind of committed. 
what I see people yeah. do is the the opposite. They'll they'll just blaze through that tree, and it has that tree hasn't really made up its mind yet where it's going, and now you've got a tree that's not connected at all to the base, and so it's it's really just a anyone's guess of which direction yeah. it's going, and so yeah. use use the meat of the tree the interior of the tree to help guide that tree to the ground. And so it's way more controlled opposed to running that saw through it fast. And then it being like, well, wait, wait a second, which, which direction should I run to get out of the way? Yeah. What, what's going on? No, I, I, you're a hundred percent correct. And what I've got to where I do now is just, I mean, if it's a, if it's a fairly large tree, I mean, I'm when I say fairly large, I mean, 13 14 inches and above i'll just go ahead and wedge that tree almost every time i mean uh-huh. unless unless it's you know well I, I i say that i mean i i i i wedge them almost every time now just because it's it's a lot safer you have a lot less chance of that tree coming back on you you have a lot less right. chance of splintering yep. and breaking halfway up the tree yes that's uh, another big one i see people just not do is, is do that face cut whether it's a wedge or just a face cut yeah. and yeah, you're just exactly. coming from the back side and it, that thing just splinters and shatters or has that risk especially oaks hickories those very dense oh, fibrous yeah. trees it's like golly don't knock your own head off just to yeah. <laughs> create some bedding cover guys <laughs> they, be smart be safe yes for sure um you know, one thing one one thing that I was I really having to watch up in Iowa was the wind was. Mm-hmm. I think every time I went up there, the wind was just kicking like crazy. So I had it to. Was. I was extremely cautious going in there and using that wind every chance that I that I that I had. And you know, sometimes right. sometimes if you have the ability, maybe maybe pick another day <laughs> because right. I mean, you know, it it. That wind could that wind could do you wrong real it, quick. It throws other a lot of other variables into yeah. the equation. And it, when you're cutting in the winter when there's no leaves on the trees, oh yeah, it's not as bad as it yeah. is in the spring and summer. But it still has a a, a big control over which way that uh, tree is going to go. Maybe you thought it was going to go this way, but then potentially the other way. But then the wind throws, and you're like, "Whoa, holy cow!" Oh. I didn't think that one, but, yeah. um, and, and, and here's the other thing too, that we, that we didn't talk about, but is definitely applicable, um, here in this situation is if you get to a tree that you don't want to fell, you can kill that tree standing and, oh, yeah. and, and it dies. And now you still have the sunlight or you get to a tree and you're like, man, if I drop this tree, it's going to be so cluttered. I'm going to inhibit the actual movement of deer through this unit. Why don't yes. you double girdle it? And or herbicide it, hack it, squirt it, kill that tree standing, and walk yep. away from it. Don't don't put yourself either at risk of of injury. Um, be smart about it and say, you know, I'm not comfortable yeah. felling it because I'm not sure which way it's going to go. Man, kill it standing and and walk away. And know that the same the same job is essentially going to be done. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe maybe you don't have as much cover on the ground. Um, yeah. But at the same time, that gives more response for the herbaceous growth and vegetation to come in in that area even more so. No, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, there's there's a few, I mean, and just about every cut that I do that I, I just kind of sit back and look at it and I think, man, I just, I don't feel comfortable yep. cutting that tree. I mean, it, it, it's rotten or something, you know, the sure. inside, you know, and. And those, just like you said, girdle, double girdle it, come back and spray it if you have to. But yep. yeah, if you're, if you're cautious about it, don't do it. That, you know? Bingo. Just, just, just be safe. Be safe. Because I mean, you know, you, you're out there some cutting alone a lot of the times and yeah. the last thing you want to happen is something that, that you could have prevented. Um, so yeah, I mean, just if your gut's telling you not to do it, rethink it. <laughs> oh, that's Just, right. That's right. Here you go. Yep. Um, so really appreciate your time. I think all that was really valuable for, for folks to be able to, to see and hear success that comes from 
going forward with a plan, executing it, allowing that vegetation response, watching the deer move in, utilize it the way it was designed, being effective in a harvest, and then the extra bonus of uh, pro tips of how to actually implement this yourself. So, Bray, yeah. you, you knocked it out of the park, man. Well, I appreciate that, Matt. Absolutely. It's always it's always easy talking about it with y'all. <laughs> well, we're we're uh, we're lighthearted and and enjoy talking about deer and habitat, so it's always fun and easy, and we absolutely enjoy it. So, man, I, I don't want to take any more time. I know you got family, kids, and um, and hopefully maybe some more hunting or filming habitat work to do too. So, um, thank you for your time and uh, tell everyone we said hey. I will do. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Well, I didn't lie to you. I told you it was going to be a great episode. Uh, what a fantastic discussion and kind of that, that full circle moments for Brady in working in improved habitat and working in uh, working to improve the habitat, but then hunting it and having these experience of watching deer behavior. Uh, and he's a very experienced deer hunter, knows deer, deer biology and behavior. Um, but to be able to witness something that he hasn't seen in the deer woods and uh, for it to be, you know, impactful enough that during November, he won't be hunting any other way. That's pretty, that's pretty powerful. Um, so guys, I hope it was uh, beneficial for you. Hope if hopefully you can take some of those pointers uh, of how to be able to replicate his success on your property. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening. There's more hunts dropping on YouTube, so be sure to go and subscribe there. Um, check out those hunts from this fall. They're dropping weekly. And if you guys need help on your property, be sure to send in a message. Info at Land and Legacy. We would be helpful we would be uh, honored to be able to help you guys out on your property and um, you know every opportunity we're, we're thrilled to work with folks from anywhere in the country um, the the schedule is is jam-packed for this year um, but we're still taking half dates um, but we're going all over the place so if you're in the south we're coming to you. If you're in the north, we're going to be there. If you're in the west, if you're anywhere, we're probably going to be there. Um, and, and we'd love to visit with you while we're in town. So please reach out. Let us know if you guys have any questions. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again for tuning in this week. We'll catch you here yep. next week.